from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, the 13th Ooh. of November, 2015, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. It's a spooky. And this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace. You know, I'm actually in the middle of building a Squarespace site right you now. You say that. Secret you project. T- no, no, I can't tell Just what this one is. It's, um, it's a friend. I'm helping a friend with a project. And because apparently I'm a Squarespace savant. Is it Bono? I'm doing it pro bono, just pro bono. Oh, clever! Can you you. give us a little hint who the friend is and what the project is? No, I cannot. (laughs) But I can tell you this: it's remarkably easy. Their website—they just added some new stuff, and it's like way better than when I was building stuff six months ago. Wait, what's the new stuff? Because I'm still working on the wedding website. Uh, Look what the Matt dragged in. dot com. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. That's hey. Also, Joy, too late. Your wedding is in like 20 minutes. You need to finish that website right now. (laughs) No, we. It's the bane of my existence. I hate working on it. so, so easy. easy. It is yeah, so easy. That's what you guys say, but you're not me. We aren't you, but I'm me, and I know what I can't do, and my website is unbelievable. You have to, like, make links and stuff to hotels uh, and yeah, get, food. I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest, Joy. You're not really selling the product very well. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I will say, I will say, I can tell that it's, like, the easiest of all of them. <laughs> but I, I think that what Joy needs and that what Squarespace isn't providing for her, she just needs, like, a big green button on a screen that just says, make wedding website. And then she just, <laughs> exactly. she mashes it with her hand, and then it happens. No, I will I will say they have incredible customer service. They helped me. They walked me through. Like, I couldn't them? figure out how to write text. You called them? I couldn't find out how to write text. You couldn't figure out how to write text? So you called, you picked up an analog phone and called Joy. They, 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 they say, Joy. they say, put, put fingers fingers on lay fingers on keys now <laughs> press with now now apply Jesse, apply have pressure you, have you done it Jesse? because there's yes. there's headers yes. there's headers and then there's text boxes and i couldn't find the text box and it was one of those things where they like made it so easy that i was overcomplicating. Okay. so really what okay. it is is that i'm just like so smart and i think okay. through all okay. the okay. steps okay. Okay. that i couldn't figure let, it out let me just address this right now from a sponsorship issue <laughs> This is Joy's problem, yeah, not Squarespace's. Not and everything we've said, I stand behind. No, no, no. Joy, I think you are smart. I think you are brave and strong. I think you are <laughs> no, so no, many no. great things. But you are literally the worst at website stuff. <laughs> and I'm this- saying, I, I give the vote of confidence for Squarespace because they helped even someone like me. So I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying I'm really, really bad. Squarespace uh, allows you to make sites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. Uh, no coding is required. It's intuitive and easy to use. Uh, Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability, and it's trusted by millions of people. All of that is accurate. And, and some of the most respected brands in the world, yeah. Yeah, all uh, of that is right. Sites start at just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Actually, they have a new thing called cover pages. So if you're not ready for yeah. your full website, yeah, yeah. they have these beautiful kind of one page websites at only like three bucks a month yeah, and they're, they're, cool. they're really cool and people can, you can yeah it's great to like grab a domain and work on it behind the scenes you know and it's so easy and their stores their e-commerce just, i was their e-commerce thing is insane don't i mean even get me started on that hey, yeah. what do they what what do you do don't they, worry there's about a it. whole other category for stores so if you want to you know you're doing art artisan goods or you're launching uh, uh, anything that you're going to sell 
it can handle all of it. The e-commerce, the 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 branded kind of emails and, and uh, invoices. It can uh, give you branded shipping labels for you when you ship your good everything through Squarespace. It's, right. it's amazing. Joy, don't even worry Can about I that. sell tickets to my wedding because the caters are out of control? <laughs> <laughs> so much more for Little Smokies. The cool thing is you can try, you can uh, create a site uh, for free and you can start a free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, Make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. They really need to just make a commercial with joy and customer service. And like yeah. it just needs to cut to the website becoming beautiful, even though she's like, how do I make words? <laughs> click, 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 click. Uh, well, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. And uh, here with me in our Orlando studio, uh, Eddie Big Cat Cam, it's nice to see you, pal. Over there in the yeah. ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Jeremiah Dunlap. Great to be here. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egridge. Present. Uh, <laughs> Our grandma. I gotta say, I gotta say, let me, normally there's stuff that is said and then eventually I say what's coming up on the show. Let yeah. me just get right to it. Let's get to the elephant in the room. Coming up on the show today. Okay. We speak with one of our uh, most inspiring our favorite fashion icon, dashing Eric Metaxas, is coming up on the show later, and he yep. sits in with the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric has uh, a long history with the Relevant Podcast, and it's always a pleasure to have him on. In my mind, he will be wearing a, a smoking jacket and a lovely ascot. Do you think that's? <laughs> I mean, I no, no, no. What, do you, what is he just? Is he just waking up? That's not. I was how... gonna say. I was saying, what kind of philistine do you, do you, do you yeah. think he is? The sun is up. Probably Eddie. on the sun is up. He's wearing. He's wearing tweed. <laughs> the sun is. <laughs> It's, 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 oh, you know, I take it back. It's not the weekend. He's not wearing I'm, tweed. He's wearing a nice suit. Eddie. He's wearing yeah. a three-piece suit. How dare you malign the man? I would say he's probably he, taking it to another level. Probably two pocket squares. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just took the dogs out to for a run with the foxes, and in he goes. <laughs> definitely sitting in a room in a leather chair, with surrounded by books and. Mm-hmm. I was going to say he's not wearing tweed. That 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 you know, like tweed and a turtleneck sweater is what he like cuts the grass in. Yeah, so four fifths of us dressed up uh, very, very nicely. Yeah, uh, Eddie, Grandma uh, decided Jeremiah. to wear a muumuu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a hooded sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of us are, are wearing uh, suits, yes, uh, yes. or at least sport jackets, ties, okay. uh, pocket squares. Can, uh, we, can we kind of do the thing that they do on the red carpet? Like, Cameron, what are you wearing? Sure, uh, sure. Republic I, I am wearing a J. Crew sport coat with uh, some... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot and of Eddie? J. Crew going Eddie, on. what are you wearing? I'm a Brooks Brothers suit and uh, some sort of blue shirt underneath and a tie. Uh, that's is that a, a Dior tie? It is, I'm sure, a Dior tie. This is, uh, I think, uh, from a, of an establishment of Goodwill? No. Um, yes. You got that at H&M. You got that jacket at H&M because of our uh, Christmas party. You told me that last oh, night. Oh, right. <laughs> I've seen that jacket. Yeah. And this is uh, a, a tie that's called My Dad's Collection that was left over my house one day. <laughs> awesome. And finally, I would say the saving the best for last yeah, is Jeremiah, JD. He's, yeah. wearing, he's wearing six layers of patent leather. Yep. It looks great. Yeah. I also have I have a pocket square made of a piece of computer paper. Oh, Eric really? Metaxas will never know. Really Which, nice. Let me just you know say that I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt, but it's a bright blue, and sure. I have lipstick on. I would call mm-hmm. that a, a a rich blue. I wouldn't call it a bright blue. Mm-hmm. It's more of a royal blue. Royal. royal. Thank you, royal. Cameron. That's yeah. exactly what it yeah, is. Royal blue. Uh, and also coming up later, we have a special in-studio performance uh, by Andy Squires. Oh, great. Uh, that, really exciting. Andy has an incredible story. He came by the studio last week to play a few songs for us. And uh, the videos mm-hmm. will be up 
on yeah. Friday. On the, Friday. When this podcast goes out, the mm. uh, performance videos will be there. That's cool. Yeah. We, we have a new uh, video team. I'm very excited. Do we? Oh, is that that guy I saw walking around? Yeah. The, the team being one guy. <laughs> With a camera on his shoulder? Yeah. That guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his, what's his name? I didn't mean uh, Doug Jackson. He is a phenomenal uh, filmmaker. Uh, uh-huh. It is going to be what we're going to be able to create with him on our team is substantial. Yeah, we're Good. really excited. Jesse and I have a couple of ideas to pitch to him. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. Some kind of man on the street kind of skit stuff. So I think <laughs> I think he'll really like where we're going. Man on the street getting stuff. That's the concept. <laughs> but, uh, we're gonna leave it up to Doug Jackson to figure this one out. Yeah, Jesse and I make the magic. He makes the little videos. So <laughs> well, this will work out. Now, Doug, let me let me just paint you a picture here. It's man on the street, but hang on. Here's here here's where we're really bringing home. He's getting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he's just walking around. He's talking to people, getting some of their things. D- Doug would Doug would shoot it. He'd do it. But what he would do is he'd bring like a drone. He would have like a oh, jib. Yeah. He would like it would be epic oh, yeah. and moving and cinematic. That's nice. Like you'd have kind of like what's that Icelandic group? Uh, Seeger Rose music playing in the background mm, while they're Bjork. doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be beautiful. It would be compelling. It would take Man on the Street to another level. That's our vision, and that's what we've always. That's what we. Billy been on the Street towards. meets Seagull Rose. Yeah, oh, that's gonna be perfect. <laughs> I can't wait. It's a very exciting new era for us here at Relevant. Well, I'm excited for that man to be here. Good for him. Yeah, what's he gonna be doing? Video. But like, what kind of stuff? <laughs> the, the 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 exact stuff we've just been explaining. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Cameron well enough. There's always a little. There's, something there's going a couple on. little things brewing. I would say yeah, this. I, w- I would say this. Just Next year, just whisper it. 2016 and beyond. Okay. I would say there's a couple of a couple of new things in front of us that I think will be significant for relevant. Okay. One is we are working very early in this, so it may not pan out. It may change shape or form quite a bit, but we're working on a pretty exciting. Um, a few different event ideas. Okay. So that's one thing that will be new for us moving forward that I'm re- really excited about. Neat. The other thing is video. Yes. Um, obviously, the new Apple TV just came out, and all of a sudden, your video app is sitting next to NBC's video app. And it's like the future. I, I, I think if you go a year down the road or more, um, you know, the cable kind of, I have to pay a flat rate for 200 channels and I watch three, yeah. that's going to crumble. Get rid of that. And I think you're going to do a la carte packages and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think the whole viewing experience is going to be different and uh, for living rooms and not just like kind of niche, you know, kind of viewing uh, on, on second screen devices, but like on your mm-hmm. living room. And I think uh, Relevant will have a, a say in all that in a small independent way. I think we're, I mean, we are working on some content ideas that mm-hmm. I think uh, will belong in living rooms. This yeah. really gels with the plans that I've got. I would so. like to I would like to pitch me on them. I would like to hear what oh. your vision for Eddie's video hour would be. Me with a GoPro day in day out 24 <laughs> hours just oh. like Ed TV but okay. you get to live the life with me. Um, TV, I like it. Surprise tickle fights. Just yeah, I, 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 like, I like the dated Matthew McConaughey reference. You're, you're drawing me. <laughs> yeah, tickle fights. Um, I think I'd like to just do the edgy Eddie half hour and oh, yeah. just, Ooh, let's yeah. just. Well, that's the after hours. That's after 11. Oh, yeah. 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 That's kind of when Chelsea lately would I be would. Running. I would like to have like yeah. a little snifter of brandy and I'd like to be sitting just in the corner of the studio and like, let's just get real here. Let's stir the pot. Let's get really real about some things. No, yeah. but, but, but Cameron, I mean, to, to speak to what you're saying, I mean, the, the landscape is changing dramatically especially when it comes to how people are served video and tv content did you see the trailer for some of the new vice shows obviously they do content wise different stuff than we would do but stylistically 
they're kind of capturing yeah. this vein of a new type of TV mm-hmm. consumer who's looking for something a little bit more raw and potentially irre- irreverent when it comes to covering, sh- you know, topics like food and, uh, you know, fashion and, and, and things like that. It is a changing landscape. I think I'd like to have a series <laughs> where I learn. I, you watch me learn calligraphy and oh. then I teach you calligraphy. Oh, 22 part series, each one about an hour and a half. You're just watching me slowly figure out the letters. I think that's the great courses. Yeah, it might be real yeah. nice. No, but Michael K. Williams is actually hosting one of these new Vice shows. I, oh, I'll yeah. tell you, Vice, I mean, uh, I'm not endorsing their content at all, but I'll tell you, Vice as a media company has always been inspiring to me. They started in 98 or 96 as a magazine in Montreal, a local yeah. Montreal magazine, and then it went to New York and whatever. And everything that they've built has been out of Vice magazine. And mm-hmm. so um, they had, you know, they, they gave them this high quality magazine away and in influential places in New York and key cities. And so then they got sponsors to say, like, this magazine is going exactly where the tastemakers and influencers of culture are. We got to be part of it. And so then they did like partnership stuff with those companies. And then they had a vision very early for the web and, of, and then very early for web video. And like all of a sudden, like then these companies that are more slow moving are kind of like experimenting and partnering with them and putting money into it. And all of a sudden now video, video, video. And now they have their own channel. I mean, it's and they've been now evaluated at like one point two billion dollars. But yeah. I mean, but it's a it's it's a, a compelling uh, model for independent media that when YouTube brought us up to their uh, New York headquarters last year to talk to us about some YouTube innovations with relevant. They internally referred to us as the Christian Vice, and that was the most flattering thing that has ever been said about us. You know, it's like we have the opportunity to kind of create and, and uh, innovate the way that they have. Awesome, let's go for it. Yeah, and, so. and I think I think you know it's part partly why people connect to the medium of podcasting and this new realm of media is what I think the old like a, a, an older generation of culture creators would see as something unpolished and maybe a little too raw. I mean, especially when it comes to Edgy a Vice Eddie. documentary where yeah, they're embedding with ISIS. You know, what what our generation sees as authentic right. and and something that is is unfiltered truth. It's it's not as heavily edited. It, it's it's more of a real look at, at issues and conversations that matter without the polish and glean of something you see on a network 10 years ago. As, lo- as long as there's a CEO Rose soundtrack in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we're good. We're well, that's the key. Yeah. I'm uh, pretty good at juggling. So oh, that could be in okay. There. So, that what would that be? Show. Would that be like a? I think a it's bre- just, like, like a short, or I would it be like, like a thirty-minute? No, like a five-minute, like okay. uh, juggling around the town, <laughs> round juggling. He's mastered calligraphy. Right. Next up, juggling around the town. So, yeah. so maybe maybe what it is is right. a show that follows Eddie, and each week he is challenged to learn and master, and then demonstrate a new, a new skill, a new skill. But that and was kind of Jesse's thing, wasn't it? That he felt yeah, like he could learn good. anything given enough yeah, time. I, I, Eddie, I kind of feel like you're stealing my idea. <laughs> Like, I feel like Total Mastery is a show that I've total already had. Total Mastery with Jesse Carey. Oh, that is. Do you think each season is you learning a Total Mastery no, or is each no. show? Try each episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> I disagree. You got to bite off bigger chunks. So you got to go like Hard Knock style where there's a serialized Total Mastery where it's like you got, you know, maybe it's like six episodes. Because yeah. what you got to do is world class Total Mastery. Yeah, yeah. What Eddie's wanting to do is learn how to juggle. That's that's one episode. <laughs> that's a, That's just a series of shorts. Calligraphy. Right. right, juggling. You, you'll be like, uh, okay, so it'll be like MythBusters, where 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 we do we do cutaways to break up the plot, 
where where you do the little side experiments, yeah. and I'll try to carry the season <laughs> okay. with these amazing feats. How's that sound, Eddie? Because frankly, I don't know if the total mastery thing applies to everyone. <laughs> oh, I think it's great. Basic tap. I don't want dancing. you to break down the theory of the first season. Basic yeah. tap dancing. I would have thought that would have been your wheelhouse already. I would have too, but that's like a thing. I feel like I should be able to do. I'd like to be. And able now, to- if you sign up for a tap dancing class, yeah. you're going to get charges pressed against you. Yeah, that's a great point. Double Dutch in a uh, wrestling outfit. I would like to do that. <laughs> Why, why for a wrestling outfit? I don't know. I just think it more freeing. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the way to put it. Um, actually, oh. I don't want to make this about me, but I kind of do. What would my show be? Um, <laughs> just you shouldn't, figuring out a show? Shouldn't that be you? Yeah, maybe building a website. Uh, yeah. Should, should, yeah, you have to pitch your idea <sighs> and put it on the oh. internet. But and I'm, make a I'm website. crowdsourcing from you know this. You guys are my uh, mental committee. What do you envision for me? I, I would it. just like there is part of me that would like to see a couple episodes of just what you would consider your normal life. <laughs> uh, I think my next favorite idea for a show for Joy, and this could be a nice vehicle for just Joy or me and Joy or Joy and friends, uh, would be just have her sit in a mall and just whisper into the camera the story of every single person that's walking by. See, that's so perfect because that's what oh, I do. And you and I could just be holding our hands up and just whispering Plus to each other. Plus there's kind of the counselor aspect to it where probably half of it's absolutely accurate and a little bit too real and then some of it's just <laughs> just fun you know like oh that person's an accountant and also they're an older sibling clearly <laughs> <laughs> pretty high on the birth order <laughs> I would watch that it'd be like mystery science theater uh, mystery science humanity except with real people and real pain real pain and <laughs> <laughs> oh and bleeding heart Jesse is back oh Jesse okay yeah here's a new show for Jesse just wreck every good idea so that's what we do Pitch some ideas and he wrecks it. There's nothing that I don't think is entertaining about you know filming people on hidden cameras and revealing their deepest, darkest secrets without their knowledge. Not revealing it. We're not revealing. You're speculating. Just just presuming the worst about them based on only what they look. You assume we're going to go to the worst. The reality is that Eddie and I are very uh, perceptive, and we're probably going to be right. But those people don't know it. It'll be funny to the common viewer. Right, Jesse. um, Sometimes just cries alone. I can tell he just cries all the time. Like it would be like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like the, he's like the, the he the laugh the happy clown on the outside because he's a sad clown on the inside. Right, right, right. exactly right. He has a smile on his face, but he's broken inside. <laughs> he says he's not on Twitter, but he's absolutely on it constantly. <laughs> and he is, he is on oh, it constantly. He see, oh, he sees it all. He sees it I, all. No, I, I sent out oh, tweets no, from no, time to time. I, I, no, I, Rambo. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. He drives a 2004 Volkswagen Beetle. You can just tell, and he still has a little flowers in by the steering wheel. <laughs> I love that. fresh cut daisy every morning from his garden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it's time oh, weird. for it's, what a what a weird show. It's time. For <laughs> our, our, our our segment looking back at last week's happenings in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Uh, Hillsong, New York pastor Carl Lentz. He's a good guy. He's, yeah. a, he's a buddy. Uh, and astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, also, good dude. Yeah. Buddy. Okay. We hang buddy. out. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, he got me a magic jacket once. He just, uh, Tyson. Yeah, Neil deGrasse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they were recently on Comedy Central's The Nightly Show to discuss the tension between science and religion with host Larry Wilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, they are on opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to belief in an uh, intelligent designer. 
but the the debate was civil. It was good. Yeah. Uh, Tyson explained how one of his main issues with faith was the nature of God himself compared to how he observes the universe. Lentz, however, explained that he doesn't think that science and religion are actually opposing ideas. Here's a quote. I think that God created science. So, for me, I don't think that exploring any of this stuff is bad. I think it's going to lead you to a knowledge that something had to begin this and there's something more, so I love it. I think that science is awesome. I don't think they're at war at all. Here is a clip. I think that sometimes religion prides itself on being the beginning and the end of all knowledge. Mm -hmm. So if you have already said, I know everything, we know it all, it Mm -hmm. sometimes can eliminate new knowledge and discovery when I think that's wrong. So So I think that sometimes people get threatened by things like science, which Uh makes no sense to me because if you're secure in your faith, you'll Mm -hmm. be open to learning, hearing, discovering, and I think that's the essence of at least my religion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you hold any room any space at all in there for the existence of a God or... Sure, if there's evidence. And why I, I'm, is that? I'm, why, why do you hold that? I need an evidence-driven life. What and kind so, of evidence do you need? Yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what more do you need, Mr. Tyson? What kind it's of evidence does science need? And, and does, is faith completely not compatible with an evidence-based... So, so empirically, what yes. is it? Something like 40% of, West, mm-hmm. of American scientists will go to church and pray to a personal God, a God mm-hmm. who would answer their prayers. Mm-hmm. And when you go to those scientists, including the head of the National Institutes of Health, um, uh, Francis Collins... I was going to say Francis Collins. Okay. <laughs> Francis Collins. He, he's a, he's a born-again Christian. He wrote a book. He was hiking in the in the mountains and right. turned a corner and the waterfall was frozen yeah. in the winter. And, he, and he's saying, he, what would Jesus do? He, he, he fell, he fell uh, to his knees, <laughs> prostrate, and gave himself to God. Yet, he's a productive, active scientist. Correct. How do these sit together? Because he's not saying the universe was created in six days. Yes. He has embraced science, yet has kept the spirituality part of what is in the religion. I, I think that people need to keep on uh, discovering and learning and hearing. I love doubt does not have to be a dead end. It can be something that leads to an open door. And I think we need room for people to be able to explore and have doubts and have thoughts and, and figure this out. Because it's the most important, like you said, point in life. We all have this desire to be fulfilled and people need to keep on looking. I was out in uh, uh, San Francisco a month or two ago at a a few day gathering of scientists. Uh, Francis Collins was there. It was a it was a gathering to discuss uh, faith and science, Christian theology and science. And so there was like NASA astrophysicists there, professors. Uh, Francis Collins uh, uh, head up the Human Genome Project. Uh, amazing thinkers, all from a Christian worldview, mm. um, and and rectifying. Various views of origin and um, and and theology. Uh, I heard things I'd never heard before. I learned a lot. I was stretched. I came home with twenty seven books. I'm I'm in the middle of the second one right now. Um, it, it it is something that I've never been a person who thought science and faith were incompatible myself. But I never really went on a deep exploration of kind of where they converge and where they differ. And you know, but I you know I kind of live with an open mind that we know in part and we see in part. And I think that discovery and truth uh, revealing itself in time is fascinating. I've learned so much from some of these Christian scientists that, not Christian scientists, but... uh, Christian. The Christian scientists, they've got it figured out. I'll tell you that much. Um, No, I've learned so much uh, and, and would advocate those who grew up with um, kind of a, only a Christian school teaching on faith uh, or science um, to explore a little more uh, and, and just go, you know, 
I was told things out of a sincere conviction and from a good place, but there's probably more to the story. I'm not saying uh, anything about the creation story. There's probably six leading faith perspectives on uh, origin, um, and, and they all have kind of pros and cons. Uh, but, uh, you know, we weren't there. We don't know. So, mm-hmm. there's an element of just kind of going, okay, well, I, I think this is what makes the most sense for me, but we don't really know. Right. And also know that nothing that science is finding out as we go to these, you know, outermost reaches of the universe and, and explore our own world, um, that nothing that we're finding is incompatible with uh, a, a creative God. Um, I believe God spoke through two books, and the Bible talks about this. There's the, the Word of God, the written Word of God, and, and then the Book of Nature, uh, Genesis talks about that, and God speaks through His creation, and I, I believe that by exploring and learning from nature and the Word of God, that that's where we will, um, as Christians, be kind of thoughtful and productive. You, you so. might as well have the conversation. You might as well learn. That's the, my key. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're going to make a decision, but it's I'm not afraid to read right. other religious texts. I'm no. not afraid to read a yeah. thing that says the Bible is untrue. Why why limit ourselves to purely what we yeah. agree with? It limits our... That's crazy. And it's also like why... I am so fascinated with having conversations with people that we don't agree with and people that I I feel, I I don't know who said this once, but it just stuck in me that it's impossible, almost impossible to hate somebody when you know them and you know their story. Mm-hmm. And you, it's like you may strongly disagree with their life and their choices and their beliefs, right. but at least you have understanding. And and my feeling is, is I think the problem in the last 20, 30 years is this partisan religious context that we have to operate under of like we're on one side of the aisle yelling at all the people at the other side. Uh, it's futile. I mean, right. to me, I want to walk across the aisle and sit down and have a cup of coffee and understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm going to compromise my conviction, nor am mm-hmm. I asking you to compromise yours. But but maybe we can have a civil dialogue, but I think understanding is the key. Yeah. And so I want to read stuff that I have no intention of, of yeah. conforming my theology toward, but I want to read stuff that challenges me and forces me to see a bigger world. Yeah, I think that was the best part of actually going to seminary was the amount of information they put in front of me that I strongly disagreed with that completely rattled me. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, it was that fight and that struggle and that willingness to have a conversation. And I mean, there were deep moments of questioning. Like, is, I, I, is, I've heard a lot of people go to seminary, like kind of walk away from faith after that. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah. very hard. I wouldn't go into it uh, just, oh, I've always wanted to I want to learn more about my faith going yeah, no, to seminary. For, yeah. I mean, maybe some seminaries, but the one I went to, it was really, really hard, but I left it being able to, I think, give a stronger account of why I believe what I believe, but also having a broader mind to, okay, these were just beliefs that I brought up that I have never actually considered and had a conversation with somebody who doesn't agree with me. And it was really helpful. That to say is, I think the more that we can expose ourselves to those kinds of environments, the better, I think the better Christians we are, because those are the people that we want to be able to... I, I like that Larry Wilmore did this. Yeah. I think it was really cool. Like, he brought in two smart people who were very civil with each other, from at least from what I heard, and that that was helpful. That's the other interesting part of, of I think, this clip is, like, 10 years ago, if you were to say, we'd be listening to a clip that was played on a late-night comedy show of a pastor and a noted scientist and astrophysicist, you know, it would be almost unheard of. But, yeah. you know, the pop culture, and particularly the late-night format, but I think this is, you know, you could make this case across the board in a lot of ways, is getting far more open to civil dialogue and is abandoning the, you know, yeah. maybe cable news is the last bastion mm-hmm. of uh, this kind of sensationalized 
uh, you know, combative talk. But I feel like Christians need to get on the board with that. That it's okay to have someone like you were saying, Cameron, that is of d- a different thinking. You can you can read a book by Richard Rohr, and then you can read something someone a book by you know maybe someone who comes from a reform perspective. You don't have to agree with everything each of them says, but you can at least have that knowledge inform your overall worldview and faith. Even if it's just saying, well, maybe I don't agree with this. That is actually something that has both uh, that I've enjoyed about the show, but has also infuriated me most about being on the show is when we have someone on. We've had a lot of people on that different people disagree with for different reasons. But then when we get the push pushback, like, how could you let them have a voice? I'm like, how could we not? Yeah. We're hosting a conversation here. I, there have been a lot of guests that I have strongly disagreed with that some of them I've even interviewed, but it's the way we conduct ourselves is with civility. We're going to be open to hearing new things. And the, I think that the magazine's always done that. Yeah, I mean, totally. we, we've, we've been incredibly intentional that we are, are, one of our jobs is to represent what God's doing and saying in this generation. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we all are in different streams of the move of God and we all have different things that we favor in our spiritual walk and experience. Uh, but I I think the beauty of 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 what God's doing and saying is in the tapestry of drawing from all of that. And so there's many streams, but one river. And so I love more than anything, like pulling somebody from one stream, let's say like the charismatic stream yeah. and having them in the magazine and then having somebody from the reform stream in the same issue. And then Mace. And, yeah. And then Mace. It all comes back to Mace. He's, mm-hmm. He he unites and builds bridges. <laughs> He's the best. Um, but like, you know, to, to, to say like, I, you know, a lot of these, a lot of our readers, a lot of people would say, no, 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 I disagree with that person. And then like, hopefully, they're reading the magazine and and they wrote about an idea that maybe you don't disagree with that idea and all of a sudden you're realizing like maybe I have some common ground with that person who yeah. I had previously written off as completely somebody I would never listen to. Yeah. And now maybe I'm not trying to get you to compromise where you stand, but at least there's some, we can build bridges of kind of common agreement. And I even believe that politically. I mean, it's like, what are the things, the issues that we can all agree on and let's advocate for those, you know, let's yeah. see who cares about the rest of your party's politics. Let's find the common ground stuff. And I love doing that with, with the podcast and with the magazine. I, I don't know where it comes from, but like I grew up in a charismatic home, uh, charismatic Christian Christian home, and went to a fundamentalist Baptist high school. I mean, not not in, in middle school, not not Southern Baptist. I mean, like we're talking the Bob Jones stuff, you know, right. like you know, deep cut. And, and and they, I couldn't have they couldn't have said more negative things about charismatic theology in the Bible classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm sitting there going like, I don't know what I believe, but I know I don't disagree. I've told I don't yeah. agree mm-hmm. with that. So what did I do? Is I went home and told my mom, kind of like. This is what we're learning. And she's like, well, let's sit down and explore kind of what our church would teach in that area. And so, like, and the nights, my mom would kind of teach me, well, this is what we believe, and this is kind of where we're coming from. And then it's now you understand the differing, you know, uh, perspectives on that, on those verses mm-hmm. and the theology. And I kind of grew up kind of understanding where both sides were coming from, but both of those two sides kind of like, kind of labeled the other ones as being completely wrong. And yeah. it's like, and yeah, there's issues that will not be agreed upon right. theologically, but it's kind of like, but can we agree on Jesus? And can we agree yeah. on heaven? And and I, can we agree on that we Man. should live the way Jesus talked about? And like, maybe some of our differences yeah. aren't as glaring as we make them out to be yeah. sometimes. I think the tension for, you know, a lot of people who grew up in the church is, you know, you hear passages like, don't be lukewarm, don't be lukewarm. And so there's something that I think is in the psyche of people that if they open themselves up to hearing something uh, that's differing from what they learned, that somehow they're going to be lukewarm as opposed to going – 
actually informing myself could breed a posture of humility. It doesn't mean that, you, that you're going to be complacent. It just means that you will hopefully uh, have a posture of humility in how you converse and everything that you've basically just said, Cameron. But- I, mean, I, I think anytime that you, and I'm going to point the finger out myself here, anytime like I have a visceral reaction to someone's name, that when, when I see them come, who's a thinker, I'm not talking about someone who's like a war criminal or who has, who has perpetrated some sort of injustice. But when I say like, you know, you, there, there's these personalities, especially in evangelicalism, where if someone says, you know, a, a, a Rob Bell or, you know, even to, there's certain crowds with like a guy like Carl Lentz, where if, if just the name causes a visceral reaction because you may not have gr- agreed with one thing he said, I think it's time to hold that in check and say, listen, this is a person here engaging with ideas. And I think that should be a check for each of us individually, because that's fostered by a culture of outrage and defensiveness that I don't think is built. Biblical. And, and I understand it. People want to protect doctrine and they want to protect truth and they want to protect theology. But that's different than blacklisting someone from your own mental filter of what you will hear just because you had a negative reaction to one or two things that they've said in the past. I, I'll tell you, I, I just lived this this past week. The uh, I'm on the other side of it. The, the people who I have more of a visceral reaction against is more the people who are the church voices who are kind of closed-minded bigots or they make Christians look foolish or they just, you know, and, and, and like, I, I have a really hard time, you know, giving mm-hmm. them uh, a moment of my <laughs> attention. Um, not that, uh, so, so there's a form of, a portion of Christianity that I would deem maybe a little bit embarrassing, like maybe the TVN world, to, you know, the whole like golden prosperity gospel oh, and all God. that kind of stuff. You just drink the red cup, don't hold on, you? Hold on, here we go, ready? <laughs> so, I'm um, after dinner the other night, a friend and I were walking uh, to the car and uh, popped into a store in Winter Park, right there on Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. And there's only two other people in the store. Yeah. One was Jan Crouch, the f- co-founder of TBN. Yeah, this is why when and, people are like, why is and, Orlando weird? And her companion, <laughs> her companion, the guy who is the actor who plays Jesus at the Holy Land Experience. They were there. Ron. Oh, Ron. Uh, Ron, Ron Jesus. Ron. Ron his, <laughs> name is, his name is Les. And, and oh. immediately I walk in and I, in my own mind you know, mock them, right? If you've ever seen Jan Crouch, she's the pink haired lady, overdone, everything. And in real life, same. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh boy, kind of rolled my eyes in my own head. Right. And my friend goes over and says, are you Jan Crouch? And I am and ended up striking up a conversation. So I kind of get pulled in Mm -hmm. and ends up talking for 20, 30 minutes is the sweetest lady uh, so generous and so kind and Les was so kind and went and got us tickets to the Holy Land Experience to come see it, <gasps> gave us her email because we'd love to keep in touch and just like doesn't know us from Adam, but like was so sweet. And uh, my friend has emailed her and has, she's written back many times and they've struck up a somewhat of a friendship and I'm sitting there going, this messes with everything that I've, the, all the jokes that I've made, you know, about about Jan Crouch, about TBN. It's mm-hmm. like, this is the thing that we're the an- antithesis of at yeah. Relevant. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm going, she just loves Jesus and has a different style and approach than I do. How dare I, you yeah. know, look down at her? Well, it's just like, what was the pastor's name that, uh, I'm sorry, his wife just died. He died a couple years ago. He took on Larry Flint. He was that... Uh, was, Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell. Jerry. I always had a real visceral like dislike yeah. of everything he stood for. And I spoke this past week to a personal friend of his who I trust the I know the person and spoke just beautifully. And I, there was one of those moments like Jesse was talking about. It was like, 
I was wrong. Like <sighs> he may have said things yeah. that were inflammatory, but yeah. I forgot that there's a person, a person and the there. person actually did incredible stuff that no one wrote about that actually I had for the first time I left being embarrassed, but also having like a lot of respect for Jerry Falwell, who yeah. it did a lot of, it, it was just and, very, and, contra- I'm sitting, and I'm sitting here talking about relevant doing stupid little web videos and stuff and like trying to maybe do this. And what did Jan hey, Crouch hey, and her hey, husband, hey. I got to correct you watching me learn how to do calligraphy. is not stupid. <laughs> and What did Jan Crouch and her husband do? But they have like 400 stations yeah. around the globe. And if you go to any, any remote part of Africa, they have like one African station and TBN. I mean, right. I, what are they yeah. done to spread the gospel? Now, say what you will about, you know, what's on and the channel. But, you know, like I'm sitting there going, well, how dare I? A lot of people I? trust Jesus because of that stuff. How, I know. It's like, how dare I? And it was really humbling, man. I mean, I, we've got we've to intentionally get out of our own little cocoons. It's and, and I think part, I think that the balancing act, because it can be tough. Because when you, when, when someone, when, when something is said or, or, or someone is, is engaging with an idea in a way that can hurt people. Like it's important. It's important that something could be called out. I think you can even. But imagine humor. if you could call it out in a way that comes from a place of relationship. That you still call it out, but it's not from lobbing a grenade from far away. But you can actually say that something happened in the in the internet Christian internet in this past week where there was kind of bloggers talking about things or whatever. And I was able to call the people involved and have a conversation about it. And like, there's real people like being talked about in very inflammatory ways and understand where they're coming from. And like, I'm trying to like not make it a reaction thing but maybe out of relationship or understanding we could have a different posture you know or at the very at the very least a fair mindedness you know giving people the benefit of the doubt and and say and like look if we're engaging with ideas together we can do it in a way that doesn't make things personal or that you know we can be lighthearted with each other or we can even be critical of ideas but just knowing that you know ultimately we're criticizing and engaging with with ideas and and things that we should all be able to throw and, and to not write someone off because of one thing to still be able to hold yourself to your your own convictions and standards but to to approach these dialogues in a way that isn't us versus them. Hmm. And in closing, yeah. uh, if you want to keep Christ in Christmas, you go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and so move on. All right. You want to finally catch up on the Star Wars franchise before the release of The Force Awakens? Oh, yes. Yeah, right now I do. AMC Theaters is doing a 20-hour marathon. For just $59.99 and 20 hours of your life, AMC Theaters will let you watch every movie in the series, culminating with the release of J.J. Abrams' new sequel. I would love that. The seven-movie marathon begins at 1 a.m. on December 17th, with the movies being played in their narrative order, meaning the much-maligned episodes 1, 2, and 3 will get the... uh, overnight shift so yeah yeah cool. like and and like you'll cleanse your palate before seven sure. so they have little so. breaks between they get a little, a, I, I think there's breaks? only a few minute break between i think it's at a pretty fast clip here i don't think you get like three hours to take a nap well yeah i guess that's true that's pretty long it's a lot of movies that's gonna be a lot of tired nerds also a lot of, of popcorn consumed a lot of popcorn yeah, yeah. a lot of that's interesting uh netflix is uh, a show making a murderer uh will be like serial and you can binge watch it mm-hmm. uh obviously the podcast serial was super successful and for good reason it's phenomenal we're emulating it deeply here on our sure. own show yeah um yeah, and like uh hb 
HBO with The Jinx. Netflix is now getting into the crime documentary thing. The Jinx being uh, the one that Joy brought up on her slice that one time. That was a hot take, Joy. Uh, In the newly announced Making a Murderer, uh, the directors delve into the story of Stephen Avery, who, following his exoneration after 18 years in prison for assault and a sexual assault, became a suspect in the murder of photographer Teresa Halbach. Uh, In a press release from Netflix, the directors say, uh, quote, if we had not been there to witness these events, we would uh, have trouble believing they actually occurred. Our goal has always been to share that experience with viewers. Our partnership with Netflix has allowed us to tell the story in a way that wouldn't have been possible anywhere else. Um, the series takes uh, viewers inside a riveting high-stakes criminal case where reputation is everything and things are never as they appear. Uh, it comes on Netflix December 18th. So after the nerds are tired and they go home, they can go and binge watch The Making of a Murderer. Too scary. Can, can I just say this real quick about the true crime resurgence happening? There is a really thin line. Uh, it, hold on. Is it really a resurgence? Because there's bio channel and true crime shows. Like, no, no, but, but, watch but what, what I'm saying, okay, let me say this. Prestige true crime. Okay, sure. Okay. So, okay. So like I would say Serial, Jinx, and probably this Netflix show would be in the same level as like a prestige show. Okay. Okay. What would be considered like a Mad Men or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. is that th- in other words, it's cool because it's done with a, a slightly, you know, higher quality soundtrack. There is a very thin line between some of what these guys are doing and what Dateline and what like 2020 right. does every week. <laughs> yeah, like, that's my point. Yeah, it, it, except, it, you know, they have like the, the, the kind of cheesy dramatic voiceover. There's nothing new here. It's just Dateline, like with slightly like hipper people doing it. I think the difference is the storytelling. I think all those stories on 48 hours or what what was 48 hours? That's a is show. That a That's show? A show. Yeah. Okay. You're, doing, you're doing good. Dateline. Yeah, yeah, Dayline, yeah. Dayline. you know, it, it's just that they like you said it's like cheesy reenactments and it's not it's not drawn out over you know, multiple episodes to get in every detail. And that's why people felt like they were basically on the jury. Okay, three words, murder she wrote. Okay, <laughs> it's all been done. Look at look at us. We're talking about high high theology, science. We're talking about you know uh, agreeing, you uh, learning from those you disagree with. Yes, highbrow art culture. You know why? Hi, pocket squares. Yeah, we're doing. <laughs> we have metastasized. We have metastasized. <laughs> Speaking of reenactments, do you guys remember the reenactments on Rescue Nine One One? Yes, oh, they're awesome. Yes. Those are so incredible. They're the best. <gasps> uh, Joy, speak- that's a show. Reenactments, like, oh, yeah. but do reenactments that you only hear about, like. You just kind of overhear it one time, and then you gotta go. You gotta go for it, <laughs> you know. Or we take we take shows that like are telling a story but didn't do a reenactment, and then we actually have the show, but then we cut in our reenactment. Ooh! Oh, or you're in, em- you're in an empty warehouse with only one like prop closet. You hear the story, you get twenty minutes. <laughs> or Eddie, we we are hearing the show. People are watching us hear the story or the show for the first time, and we have to do the reenactment live as we're. Oh hearing yeah, yeah. It. So like they'll say like. They'll say a quote, and we are just trying desperately to remember the quote for when it comes up 10 seconds later. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, I, I would assume you would have a lot of impressions in your reenactment. I would almost have to. You I've would have to. Full cast Well, of good news. SNL's Dana Carvey is doing a new competition show for I, impressionists. I cannot wait for this. Uh, Dana Carvey obviously gave us the church lady, uh, Garth, uh, endless on-point impressions. Her, really uh, he's going to host a reality show called First Impressions, which USA Network just greenlit. In the show, Young Impressions and Eddie will compete against each other uh, and then viewers will vote for the winner and then um, Carvey's going to participate some 
Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. And uh, he's going to be an on-hand mentor for the contestants. No, more from the diaphragm, I would assume. Yeah. Things I, like that. I view impressionism, I think, like Jesse views magic. Like somebody that can really nail a character. I, who is it? Bill Hader does yeah. Uh, yeah. does uh, Alan Alda. Oh, and it's yeah. like so nuts. I can't even believe how good it is. I can't wait for the show. It's almost like the voice for impressionists, it yes. sounds like to me. Like you, you have like a celebrity mentor who's very good at it, you know, coaching people and, and, and you know, viewers vote. I mean, I'll probably watch it if it's if the the impression. See, the, the thing about impressions, it's not just someone like there's a difference between an imitator, right. someone who's very good at oh. imitating someone's voice or look, yeah. right. and someone who can do an impression that takes the funniest part or a funny part of their personality and exaggerates it to the point where it's humorous. Because there's some people that just look and sound like other people, like the and guy no one's on the watch Fox, Fox Sports guy who who always does the impressions. Yeah, to yeah. me, he's uh, just an impersonator. Right. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, yeah. he he is funny from time to time, but yeah, I would say he's a better impersonator than he is. And uh, right. whereas, whereas our our very own uh, Big Cat uh, is a fantastic impressionist when it comes to Young Joy Egrich. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. my well, that, only thing. Like, if you look at Will Ferrell doing George Bush, no one would listen to it and think, am I listening to a funny George Bush or am I listening to Will Ferrell? You're going to know it's Will Ferrell, but he's funny because he's impersonating, he's exaggerating the personality to, to the extent. Well, they, just, they just did the SNL this week. Uh, they had uh, Trump on there and they had the current guy that does Trump on the show and then they brought on Daryl Hammond. And so it was all three uh, of them at the same time. But, but, I I, that but, but that's my problem with like Jay Farrow on SNL. He's a great impersonator. He sounds... And, and his mannerisms yeah. are just like whoever he's impersonating. Right. But I would rather watch someone who doesn't nail it, but is funny. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would agree. Carvey said, uh, there's so many great impressionists, and First Impressions gives them an opportunity to showcase their talents. Besides, I've always enjoyed watching an impressionist nail somebody, as in capture their voice. I'll yeah, tell you this, they nailed the name of that show. First Impressions. First impressions. Fantastic name for that show. Never get a second chance. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World, Chris Pratt. Yep. It's going to be a trilogy. We haven't heard the last of Chris Pratt, uh, Raptor Whisperer. The first movie brought in $1.6 billion, so of course they're going to make more of them. How could they not? Uh, How excited are you, Cameron, for this trilogy? Because you love the first one. Jurassic World was one of the worst things you I've ever loved. seen. I sat next to you really? in that movie, and it was... But you were as incredulous as I was. I liked it. I, you know, I'm not criticizing. I'm just bringing it up. I thought it was cool. No, there was... I felt like, I felt like there was too many Indiana Jones, Shia LaBeouf swinging through the vines moments. Sure. That lost me. And then all of a sudden, it's like nighttime, and it's raining, whatever, and then cut, day, everybody's somewhere else now, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what, what happened for the nine hours that they had to traverse that? So your problem with Jurassic World that it wasn't like true enough, good enough, like close enough to real life? The timeline didn't line up. It, it wasn't the... That was the... <laughs> I, I have learned, I, Cameron. I, this is one thing I've learned about your movie criticism. It's not a problem. I've just y- 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 you have an issue with plausibility. I do plausibility. Hey, if even, I have, even if the premise is implausible. Correct. Wait, 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 wait. What wasn't plausible about Jurassic World? <laughs> exactly. Again, it was <laughs> you find it in the amber. You distract the DNA. Now you made them with each other. You got Jurassic World. I know. I have no problem with the science behind it. It was the movie itself. I didn't think it was very good. Did you almost cry when that dinosaur was dying in Chris Pratt's arms? That was hard to watch, man. Spoiler I did alert. not like that. I did not like that part of the movie. All right, that'll do it for. In case you missed it. It's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out on Friday, November 20th. Enya is Who coming out with Dark Sky Island. What? 
I'll never forget where I heard my first India song. Where, where were you? Where were you? At, well, a, at was, a rave? It was, it was playing. <laughs> was it just now? No, it was in the mid-90s, but it was playing before a movie in a movie theater in Dallas. And oh. I was like, what is this haunting beauty? Oh. And, uh, it was in, yeah. G- Cameron, you're saying the word movie theater, but I think you're I think you're meaning to say day spa. So we're just going to say day spa. Arca is coming out with Mutant, and I uh, can't wait for this one. Adele, it's coming out with 25. Oh, man. Won't be as good as Inya. <laughs> that is going to be nuts. Movies coming out uh, same day. The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part yes. 2 coming out. Can't wait. Uh, Do you know what's coming out today? No. The 33. Oh, that's tonight. right. You weren't here when we announced I, that last week. Wait, wait, Eddie, Eddie, this is for real. What is the 33? I have no idea what oh, you're it's talking about. about. The, it's the movie about the Chilean miners. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. The, that, that, <laughs> Eddie claims... We don't need to get yeah. into it. Yeah. Eddie, think, Eddie has like a weird like dislike for them, even though they survived and inspired the world. Big whoop! They were spite of insurmountable odds. I'll tell you this: I think they might. The real hero might be me if I got to sit in there for two and a half hours <laughs> and watch us. Hi yo! Do you think I am a hero just because I have to sit in a theater and not like in a dark space and wait for it? Does that make me a hero? Eddie, <laughs> Eddie yeah. you understand that real people almost lost their brothers, <laughs> sons, and fathers, right? Yeah. They just, making light up here. Just, I just want to. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're clear on this. Hey, that this listen, was an international No matter tragedy. what you're saying about the Chilean miners, last week we were talking about my Halloween costume. About uh, yeah. uh, my Halloween costume was I was uh, the far. alligator from Wakiva Springs oh. that bit the lady's arm off. So yeah. I'm walking around with an arm wearing yeah. an alligator costume. Uh, an actual <laughs> is it Eddie? An actual so. <laughs> an actual man who was an amputee tweeted at me. Um, saying he thought our jokes were funny. And oh, I said, good. Right. So we're fine. And I said, I'm really, really sorry. He said, no, I really actually wasn't offended. I, I was listening to it on my way to train for my uh, climb of Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So, so I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, you're a hero. Yeah, he's doing yeah. fine. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, no, he, he really wasn't offended. Right. The Chilean miners probably had that same sort of steel resolve and, and, uh, and backbone. Right, yeah. Or anybody... Oh, I can't do this, right? I just don't want to do this again. Yeah, we don't need to do it again. You've, Hey, Eddie, yeah. let me just say this. You've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> the night, also coming out uh, The Night Before, which is uh, a movie about the, the Christmas party. It's um, Seth Rogen. That movie's uh, got Joseph to be Gordon terrible. Of it. You think? Oh, you know my theory. It's all the same. They're all the same movies. So. No, but you know, my, you, we, we've talked What's about your this. Theory? Just an unbelievable amount of press. There, you cannot. I mean, they have cross-referenced this in every single possible way, and there's just you can't go anywhere without seeing this movie, which means it's going to be terrible because they're hoping for a huge opening weekend. So, yep. you, so, so you're saying that because a movie is adequately marketed, not adequately, crazily, overly, overly, everything. I opened up my Bitmoji app to send a it. to send a little <laughs> joke to Cameron. You know, and all of a sudden I can put on the same sweater that they're wearing on my Bitmoji. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, and lastly, cool. Secret in Their Eyes, which is uh, Julie Roberts, Nicole Kidman, and Chiwetel Ojiofor. You, now that it's makes an, you yeah, a hero. FBI. Well done. That's I, nice. I, it's probably wrong. I just said it with somewhat confidence. Like last week when we had Matt Marr and John Guerra in our studio, I, I got a really nice. Uh, text from Matt uh, after the show aired <laughs> saying thanks so much this was so much fun so cool uh, it's it's pronounced Guerra not Guerra and I was oh, like oh Guerra. you know how he disarmed it a little though Mafia. that made it more fun he put one of the little sweater emojis from <laughs> the night before yeah. it was kind of it was kind of cool and funny I'll probably see the movie because of that text Eddie <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright right, that'll do it for uh, entertainment releases and in case you missed it stay tuned up next Slices
You're listening to Superstitions uh, by Meeson, I think, or Meeson. It's M-I-S-U-N, so say it how you want. Yeah, either Just works. type it into Spotify, M-I-S-U-N. Just don't pronounce it Guerra. Yeah. Too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Clarity with the song Sharks in the Swimming, swimming Pool. It's clarity like the like the name Claire. I was gonna say like the water's clear, mm. so you can see the sharks. No, but now that I have a swimming pool, it would be terrifying if sharks were indeed <laughs> in it. I can tell you, I can assure you, night swimming would change. Um, okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, I usually don't veer into the political territory, mainly because I don't care. <laughs> but here goes. <laughs> the Guardian was recently invited into the home of GOP presidential hopeful Ben Carson. As if you're familiar with uh, Ben Carson, he is a decorated neurosurgeon. Uh, and so his so his home had a lot of images from the course of his career, including an image of him accepting uh, the Medal of Freedom. So the Guardian went into his home. It was, it was sort of an effort by Ben Carson to kind of humanize himself and get voters to, to see him a little bit uh, in his element and see some of his achievements. But they captured two I- images of things on the wall, decor in his home that yeah. I want to discuss. Please. I mean, it's amazing. The first, the first, and probably the most notable, uh, the one that's gotten the most attention, is a picture of Ben Carson, a much younger Ben Carson. Uh, uh, he has a goatee. He, his his hair is a little bit bigger. Uh, uh, he is wearing a white doctor's coat, and he is smiling, looking directly into the camera. It's a it's a it's an illustration. But uh, around there's a person standing behind Ben Carson with his arm around him, and that person is Jesus Christ. Yeah, of course. It is what? the craziest looking thing. Yeah. I know that he is a religious individual, and his faith and his faith informs a lot of uh, the things he says. But how can we just call a spade a spade here? That's a little weird to have it a is. picture of yourself with Jesus with his arm around you. And, One, just to have a large portrait of yourself in your home is a little weird. Where's his wife? Why isn't it Ben and his wife and his kids with Jesus, like, hugging all of them or something? Personal, have you personal broken, relationship Have you with stared Jesus deeply in the eyes of this Jesus? Have you zoomed in? Because I've spent a lot of time looking at this Jesus. That's a yeah. good point. Wait. It is a it's, Klingon, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it is really weird. But the most disturbing thing, uh, aside from the fact that it's just Ben and Jesus, is the size of Jesus's hands. They are the, massive. The one hand that's on Ben's shoulder, if he was to put it on right. Ben's face, would be larger than Ben's face. Okay, I just looked this up because, and I was about to be like, it's not the one where he's. And then, as you described it, that's <laughs> that's, that's the one. Well, it. Cameron, it's not just the, the size of Jesus's hands. <laughs> it's the size of it's Jesus's his head. head. It's like half the size of Ben Carson's hand. Well, I he's mean, leaning head. way back. But, it's but, but so, not that far back. It's like, so I understand crazy. artistic perspective. I'm not an artist, but I, I know I understand the concept of if someone is slightly less, slightly more in the foreground, they're going to look larger. This it's Jesus, like Jesus Barbie, you know, like the arms and legs are way out of proportion to the rest of everything else. It's the most amazing thing. And then this very accomplished, wealthy, successful man oh, yeah. uh, frames it and has it prominently displayed in his and, home. And then it's just in, bad and, art. And then invites people into his strange Siegfried and Roy like existence to actually like think that this will make him more human I mean it was the weird okay, okay but it gets I don't want to say worse but it gets weirder it does get much weirder but what if do we know the origin like your story that you told Cameron earlier about getting to know that woman in the store like maybe somebody made this for him as a gift maybe he didn't yeah, but, like, but if it's bad art you don't put joy, it in your home joy you can't you cannot believe what you just said uh, no no but no no let's say <laughs> real, hypothetically hypothetically real quick even if it's a gift, you don't hang it. That's my, what 
you yeah. only hang out when that person comes over. Right. For your right. auntie gave you a big painting of you and Giganto Jesus. You <laughs> have a nail on no. the wall that ninety nine percent of the time holds a you know some other thing. Then when she comes over, yep. you toss that thing up. Oh yeah, we still have it. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe it's a taste thing. Maybe it's a preference. I don't okay. Know. Okay. That's okay. Fair. Fair enough. But it's still it's still weird. And by weird, I mean I don't know one other it's person that I've ever oh, met in my is. life who it has. Is. It was the alarms went off. Yeah, it's okay. totally cray cray. Okay, so, so then the other thing that was in his home, and this is even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this amused me even more because, like you said, Joy, it could be a matter of taste, it could be a gift, there could be any new number of reasons why he hung that Jesus. Any picture. number, Joy. This one is, and that, and that's why I say that one is maybe subjectively funny. Some people may not find that Jesus picture funny. My, this gra- my is, grandma wouldn't find it funny if they don't find it funny. I can just say this. They're not funny. I feel like right. that is a nice litmus test for humor for but, yourself. But, but at least give it this. It is subjectively funny. There are some people who will not find it funny. The next is completely objectively funny. Yeah. There's no way that the this is not funny. Yes. Like, if this is not funny, then I don't know what the definition of something humorous is. Yeah. In any in any case, whether you like slapstick or whether you like a highbrow. What is it? What is it? I'm it doesn't so matter. curious. It doesn't matter. He has he has some surface on his home that appears to be granite or marble. Marble. Yeah. Like, yeah. some sort of, you know, stone. I'm guessing the foyer. Yeah. It, it, it does. It's sort of zoomed in. It looks like maybe a mantle, even. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way. Of the parlor. over a fireplace. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. know. Yeah. You know, it's kind of zoomed in. And it has, <laughs> it says the words. Um, it's etched in stone. Literally. It's, it's literally etched with, with, into this marble. Yeah, and, and then the le- the interior letters are painted gold. Large, it's, uh, large etching. It's not little a little etching like no. a keepsake. No. It's like large, prominent, wall art-sized letters. Joy, do you understand? Saying what Jesse's about to read. And the words say, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Amen. And if you guys are familiar with your with your, your Bible knowledge, may, uh, you know that's from the book of Proverbs, specifically chapter 22, verse 4. But underneath a verse, etched into the stone in equally large letters, it has the reference, Poverbs 22.4. And it's lowercase p. P. It's a lowercase p. There is a typo in the etching. (laughs) They misspelled proverb. That he allowed people into the home. And still hung it. And and then invited people to take pictures. That's why he's crazy. Thank you. Sand down the verse reference. It's still powerful. It's still a a message. You fill it in. Artisans can do that. You can faux paint over that thing. You you could hang. Even just for that, he could have put up a, a... Little something propped up a family photo, just a lovely, it's a mantle, lovely something. Uh, a candle, There's just a tiny little sharpie with like a little indent and then an <laughs> R, a precious R, moments figurine, R with a little but, carrot. What I'm <laughs> saying is like a typo into granite is funny. It's the same way when someone gets a tattoo and a word is spelled wrong. It's funny. Right. I'm sorry if that happened to you, but it is humorous because of the fact that it cannot be erased. Like that's what makes it funny. Which everything can be rationalized away to me until he invites people over to take pictures of it. Then you. Just <laughs> Just know he's crazy. Or I, you can. I, what I want to know is that that guardian tour of the house that where we saw six or seven photos. I, there's a lot more rooms we didn't see. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's in those. If these are the ones that you know are allowed to be encouraged to be publicly displayed, what's in the stuff that he's like? Let's shut that door when the press comes over. Shut like, it down. What are in the rooms at your house, Cameron? I uh, Legos. Legos. <laughs> <laughs> 
goodness. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Joy? All right, so I have a backup slice because in my head when I found this, uh, well, Gilbert on Twitter gave it to me. Garza? Gilbert Garza? Go- Godfrey. Godfrey. I, I read it and I was like, this is great. And then I read how long it was and I was just like, I can hear Cameron being like, that's it? Boring. That's all you got? <laughs> Anyways, all right. So, you know, we, we start off with a question. So, yep. hey, guys. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I'm natural. Gonna, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> Have any of you eaten at a restaurant recently? Yes. Yeah, I ran into Jane Crouch right after. There you go. <laughs> well, how would you feel about not having to pay a tip anymore? I don't like it. I love it. I have a I have an issue with this, but continue. I have a problem. Well, I have a problem with tipping and gifts. Yeah, J- Jeremiah thinks that the servers should be uh uh y- you know, compensated by skimming money off of each transaction. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Burn. Well, that's the case. I mean, it's starting. Um, there was a restaurant in New York, um, but now Joe's Crab Shack is the first major chain to drop tipping, and uh, they are going to start paying their employees. Uh, it says a livable wage, which is twelve dollars an hour, up from guess what they were getting two bucks, per hour two thirty two dollars yeah. two dollars. That was a server. Who that's wasn't? What, that's what happens. So you get that and you get tips. You get a bunch. Well, of tips. I know, but that's what I thought it was like. You know, in two thousand, we're now in two thousand fifteen. They're still getting two. Here's my issue. Here's actually my issue is I'm working at Joe's Crab Shack on a Friday night. Boom. You know, I'm working there a four hour shift. I'm going home with 150 bucks. Yeah, that's and, but if I'm doing this now, it's 12 bucks. I'm going home with 48. That's what they're saying though. Is it, there's no better or worse shifts now. They are trying to normalize the fact that if you work there, you're going to get this wage, whether it's the busiest or the not busiest. But but, but you make comp- more when you're working more, turning more tables, hustling harder. There and is then, some compensation yeah, I, for I, that I, though. They're mm. making some comp like reward compensation. Go oh, ahead, okay, Joe. like bonuses and stuff. Yeah, okay. well, yeah. Because I was going to say that my fear in this is that people won't continue to be fake nice to me, and I like the <laughs> fake nice. I mean, we've been to, I mean, they don't do it in Europe and they're, I mean, people are like, you know, waiters generally are like, well, you know, you'll get your food when you want. Cause they have no incentive to well, they be don't, fake. Nice. They don't do it in <laughs> India and I've never had better service in my life. You don't tip anybody in India and they all do. I think there's more like it has to do with the expectation that the employer is setting. I love the idea of not tipping because so you're still going to raise the, they're going to raise the dollar amount on, uh, on the menu, but they're not going to do it by like 20%. They're going to do it like by 13% in order right. to pay the employees. So there's, you're still going to get like you're still going to pay a little bit more there but they're going to get a full wage you just don't have to worry about that whole rigmarole right well my question is how long do you think it'll take to transition like don't you think if people you know a restaurant says we're not doing tipping anymore i feel like i'll still feel an obligation to tip no there won't be a line on your check to do it i think (laughs) tipping is the worst i hate it i have a universal studios annual pass i bought the premium pass because i can and within the premium pass what's built in is 20 free bottles of water wow and valet parking wow valet parking normally there it's normally weird talking cost, to you now. It normally costs seventeen dollars to valet park at Universal no. Studios. Okay, when you got to tip the valet, then you have to tip the guy that yeah. you just paid seventeen dollars. It's, it's called society, Jeremiah. It's called society. I, yeah. I know, I know it is. But I, if you can afford valet parking, you can afford to tip the man who drove your car safely. See, I'm with Cameron here. If I can afford to drink a five dollar coffee or get a meal at a sit down restaurant, you know, I can probably afford an extra couple bucks. 
I I agree with you, Jesse. It's not a matter of affording. Yeah, it's it. not that I can't I'd afford rather, it. I'd rather they just build that into the cost of what I'm buying and demand excellent service. This, yes, and then let's exactly. just not do the whole rigmarole. I'll exactly. gladly pay twenty percent over my bill over the cost of food for that person. Just don't make me do the whole subjective thing. Like make the assumption that the service will be excellent. If it's not, there's a series of reviews and checkpoints yeah. by their management that make sure it's perfect. If not, totally agree. Right? And that's my so point. Then, and I'll just Eddie, pay for when it. you go to a restaurant and it's a party of over six or whatever and they bring you the bill and it has gratuity included you like that or do you get annoyed by that i'm fine with that i will pay 20 percent even if the service is yeah, terrible me too. yeah so because like yeah. if i'm gonna make a statement it's not gonna be like dipping into their rent payment right, right? like if i care enough because that person <laughs> he'll, was just, he'll write a note on it right if that person yeah. was kind of cruddy to me like and i really actually care i'm like first of all i sat down and somebody made food and brought it to me and cleaned up Pretty much if they do that, I don't care if they're nice to me or not. I'm not trying to make a friend here. Like, that's bare minimum. But if there's something that is just disruptive and unkind, I will tell the person, I will tell their boss, but I'm not going to dock their pay for it. I feel like... It shouldn't be my responsibility to dock their Yeah, pants. I see that. I, all I see is Joe's Crab Shack slowly going closer to like a casual dining experience to like Chipotle or something. Right, right. Yeah, you know, other than like a sit down restaurant. Dude, a, yeah. a, a Chipotle with crab legs? That, that's something. Don't now that, that. Now, now we're talking. That's something, that's something else. That. Jeremiah, cut that out. Cut that out right now. <laughs> we got we to gotta trademark if that. You take my Chipotle, crab legs, Chipotle. I mean, very ticked off. Yeah. Farm to table what crab would you like legs. Today? A bowl of crab legs. That's all we serve. So <laughs> that's down to the end there. You know who, you know who this is going to kill is uh, the uh, Sunday after church folks. Mm-hmm. I have had so many waiters tell me that that is absolutely the worst tipping crowd, period. And they do not like working the Sunday afternoon shift. Oh, it's the worst. And so yeah. everybody's going to have to when I was, tithe uh, their 20% now. When I was, when I was, I, uh, my chi- I was a waiter at Chili's uh, oh, right. in college. And on Sunday afternoons, it was the death sentence. Yeah. I was thrilled when I showed up and my Sunday afternoon shift was in the smoking section. Yes, yes. Oh, and nice. uh, I had only one table because I was in the Bible Belt. I only had one table the whole time, but they sat there for three hours drinking. Drinking, mm-hmm. and I got a four hundred dollar tip that day. See, the best at thing that Chili's? ever happened to me at Chili's. The best their, their their bill was three hundred bucks, and they left me four hundred bucks. Hold on, so they 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 gave you a total of seven hundred dollars. Yeah, at Chili's. Good. Where was that? Like in what part of the nation? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Who's got that kind of money that That's they're like, going to a Chili's? I think it's because Cameron served them like fifteen margaritas, and they like yeah you put yeah, the yeah. wrong well, zero. No, I kept bringing them crab legs. They didn't even order. <laughs> they didn't even order. <laughs> they were thrilled. Chipotle crab legs. I'm telling you, those those farm to table crab legs. <laughs> so hot. everything's farm to table. By the way, great. All right, uh, what do you have, Eddie? Um, so really interesting story out of. Uh, uh, do you guys? What do you guys think about tipping? Yeah, that's, that's right. Joy and I brought the same slice, and I don't know what to do right now. That's why I was trying to be really involved in the slice. No way. Yeah, that's why I had stats. Oh, and are things. you serious? Yeah, I totally have the same slice. Oh, I don't know what man. to talk about. Joy, what's your backup? Yeah, another oh. slice that I can just participate. Can you reenact the slice? And I wanted to stay engaged, so I didn't try to like scramble for a new it's slice. But funny. I'm like, I'm sitting here going, "Well, there's the quote that Jerry said." This is this is why the producer who shall not be named would always have people I, send their. I, I will tell you, in ones. fairness, I. I sent I sent him a, sli- a couple slices. One was earlier this week. It was like, hey, this is a funny little thing about this Starbucks red cup. We should talk about that. And then it exploded. And it was like, oh, we're not talking about that. And yeah. I forget what the other one was. Because there's no controversy. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it's at least in the public realm enough that the, the controversy is that it's even something people are talking about. I mean, Donald Trump said that he endorses it. So, I mean, it's 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 gotten to the a level of national awareness that I feel right. like it warrants conversation. All right, this is my slice 
Did you did you catch that? His I watched that clip. Did you catch that he said that the number one top grossing uh, Starbucks in the country was in Trump Tower, and that he's yeah. not going to renew that lease now? And I don't care. I don't. And care. I don't care. I don't care. Like he'll he's going to take a stand, and when he's president, everybody will be saying Merry Christmas again. Because the president wow. has that Amen. sort of uh, yep. the priority. The between Clout. him and Ben Carson, though, is that we know he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just know it, and we're nobody's surprised. It's crazy. At Edward already, you can talk to me about it. I don't care what you have to say. No, I get what Hashtag you're saying here, but that's edgy. a tiny minority of people that actually are doing the campaign. But I feel like the level of aware of social and cultural awareness that it's gotten to... It's somewhat. It's a controversy for the sake of but, how yeah. many. people Is are it talking. a controversy because it's like there's two people who said something, and then you know the fringe kind of looking for you know stir yeah. the pot Outrage, media was yeah. like, hey, Christians over there are crazy, and then I think the only thing, the reason why I got <laughs> legs is all the Christians are going, we have no problem with this. Why we are don't. you labeling us? Yeah, yeah. And then I, my Facebook feed is 99 people saying. Uh, what's the big deal here? I have n- why are what and nobody's saying that there's no. an actual issue with the red cups. But I think I think too it's a matter of who you're friends with on Facebook. Actually, I would say that too because that's why the Trump thing surprised me so much. I was like, wait, there's actually people saying boycott. Maybe because, because I looked, yeah. I, I because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how popular could this the the the, the initial post by the the guy who who posted the initial yeah. video and pulled out his handgun and made the big stand was shared almost half a million times. So at the very minimum. There's a half a million people, no telling how many other people that actually liked the message that he was saying and didn't actually share it on Facebook. So even if it's a minority, there was still a, a large enough group that it made it, brought it to the awareness uh, of I the national. Sta- on, this weekend, state. I was standing in line at, at a Starbucks. I was standing in line waiting, as you do, and, uh, and was scrolling through tw- my Facebook or whatever and saw all these people talking about the Red Cup thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Literally standing next to a uh, holiday display with a basket with Starbucks advent calendars for sale. Yeah. And then I look over here and there's a mug that says Merry Christmas Starbucks. It was probably lowercase and, God. And, and, I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there like reading the thing on my phone and looking in my actual physical location yeah. going, what? Worship any of the and gods they, And then you they want. asked for your name and you said, it's Merry Christmas. You were <laughs> right here on the cup. M-A-R-Y. devil cup. Yeah. I just completely, so I took a picture of like, there's an advent calendar. The people who are all incredulous about the red cups have actually stepped foot into a Starbucks and what do they, th- why do they say that they hate Christianity like and Christmas if they're selling advent calendars? I feel like the worst part of this is, is people outside of the Christian realm that are looking at this yeah. and going like, oh, this is the silliest thing in the world. <sighs> Joy, what are your hot takes on this? I feel like you're just sitting there waiting for this to What's be What's going over. on in Portland? Well, I, when I just saw it, I mean, it's it just, it's the kind of thing that I, I'm like, this is so dumb. I actually think from a design standpoint, the cups are awesome awesome i, I feel do like too. a lot of companies are going to kind of more that like plain simple retro type look and that's what it looks like so well, I, I don't i don't know too many christians like Cameron saying who actually care um i heard more christians trying to do that thing where they let all their non-christian friends know i'm not one of these i'm you know and it's just kind of like oh, okay we get it there's just some good looking <laughs> cups you yeah. want to go get your your blank cup and your advent calendar and celebrate the holiday Starbucks intended. I'd actually be more frustrated like if I was Jewish. Right? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, why do I have to walk into a Starbucks and celebrate Christmas? Why? Why? What if I'm Jewish? What if I celebrate Kwanzaa? What if you're Muslim? What, what if, if you're ag- What if you're completely atheist? Well they, well, they do sell Christmas blend, but I'm going to disagree with all of you. The, the cup is hideous. It's a plain red, lazy design. I want gaudy. I want lights on that thing. You it's <laughs> Christmas. You want some Jan Crouch cups. No, everybody's gold supposed leaf. to bring their own personal uh, gold marker, and then you can decorate 
kidding. How you I want, want I want etched in granite letters <laughs> in he my wants, cup. He wants proverbs yeah. written on the side of the cup. I want I want Christmas. <laughs> I want it, portraits. I don't care who the figures are. I don't care if they're religious or not. The of interesting takes on depth and hand size. All the cup. I want to be drinking and be like, yeah. I don't know what he was thinking there. Yeah. No, I drove I drove by a Starbucks uh, yesterday and I looked in and I saw people holding them and I was like, no, that looks really classy. Like yeah. I liked the all red, so I disagree with you, Jesse. I liked their cups last year when it said his blood was shed for all. This year, though, it feels like, it feels like they've just gotten away from something. Yeah. I, the last time I bought a croissant, it said every every head bow, every eye closed. <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right, that'll do it for slices. Hey, Stay I tuned. guess I brought a slice. Up next, Andy Squires. Listening to Traces, the song is Stutter. Andy Squires is an independent singer songwriter, born and raised in Northern California, but get this, born again mm. in uh, the suburbs of Charlotte, North I, Carolina. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, his album, Cherry Blossoms, is uh, out now and it's phenomenal. He Andy came by our studio recently and recorded a few songs for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so without any further ado, here is Andy Squires. Uh, This song is called Cherry Blossoms, and I wrote this song. um, I wrote this song because after a really difficult season in the life of my church, um, we discovered a worship that we had never experienced previous to one of the most difficult circumstances of our corporate life and... um, I don't know. I think in the midst of a pretty dark darkness, we found a joy that we didn't even know existed. And that's what this song is about. Of my soul, and I smell 
the sweet cherry blossoms pouring all their gladness into my soul in winter I believe you in springtime I see you it's so good to be with you my hope has come Lord you make all things new your love is my breakthrough now I sing hallelujah my hope has come now I've walked through the valley of the shadow and I have been tested like silver and gold Lord your faith has taught me to cherish that this light affliction is not my home in winter I believe you in springtime I see you it's so good to be with you my hope has come Lord you make all things new your love is my breakthrough now I sing And I'm not gonna give death any standing ovation I will lift my soul, God, with no hesitation Because between you and me there is no separation in winter Time I see you, it's so good to be with you. My hope has come, Lord. You make all things new, your love is my breakthrough. Now I sing, Hallelujah! My hope has come.
That was Andy Squires. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, Eric Metaxas. You're listening to Pete Yorn. The song is Summer Was a Day. You know, in Florida, summer's a lot longer than a day. <laughs> Just saying. But props to Pete Yorn for putting out music that's still cool. I know. Actually, that was the thing. When I saw he released new music, I was like, oh, no. And, you know, because like, you just, okay, David Gray, that era, sure, we, sure. yeah, it doesn't age well. It He's doing good stuff. Yeah, good for him. It's great. Good for him. Yeah. Eric Metaxas is the New York Times number one best-selling author of Bonhoeffer, Miracles, Seven Men, and Amazing Grace. He His new book is Seven Women, which gives us uh, captivating portraits of some of history's greatest women. Uh, I mean, it's I'm not going to list them all, but it's like Joan of Arc, Susanna Wesley, Corrie ten Boom, mm-hmm. there's others. He also ages well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Today, uh, Eric is actually able to join the whole cast mm-hmm. uh, to talk to us about the new book. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Does that sound sincere enough? It did. It sounded totally legit. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So, Eric, we want to talk about your new book, Seven Women and and their secret to their and the secret of their greatness. I wanted to talk first. It's a pretty diverse list of women that are included in the seven. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose those seven individuals to highlight in a book? I wish I could. <laughs> okay, cool. Next question. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Okay. If you twist my arm. Well, basically, you know, and I say in the introduction to seven men and in the introduction to seven women, first of all, I think the introductions to the books are the most important because there's some important things I want to lay out so that people, when they read the book, they understand what I'm trying to do. Choosing the seven men and the seven women, it's at the end of the day, tremendously subjective. There's no... Uh, I don't say the seven greatest uh, women who ever lived or anything like that. These are seven women who, for various reasons, I thought worthy of inclusion in a volume like this. For example, uh, there are certain stories that I think everyone must know, and maybe they don't, maybe they do, but Mother Teresa, uh, Joan of Arc, they're just amazing people, and if you don't know their stories, you ought to know their stories. But then there are people whose stories... I realize are not so well known. People think they know the story of Rosa Parks. Most people do not know that she was a devout Christian and that uh, her story, and actually Jackie Robinson in my seven men book, the same thing. We think of them as these, as these civil rights icons, but most people don't know the incredible depth of Christian faith, not just behind the whole uh, civil rights movement, but, and the abolitionist movement, but in their individual lives, Jackie Robinson and Rosa Parks were sort of chosen to do what they did to be these symbols in part because of their faith. And so I, I think most people don't know that about Rosa Parks. Fewer people know it about Jackie Robinson. And I really felt that it's a crime. And so I said, I've got to tell 
that story. Um, I, I just wanted a, a variety. That's one of the reasons I also picked the story of Maria Skubsova, the St. Maria of Paris. She is virtually unknown. And I said, I love the idea of putting somebody in whose story almost no one knows. I didn't know the story until my editor, Joel Miller, some of you may know Joel, he suggested her and he said, look into her. And I looked her up and I said, this is incredible. First of all, she's Eastern Orthodox. She's Russian, a Russian Orthodox woman who became a nun. We don't really think much about Eastern Orthodoxy in the West. That's a problem because, you know, a lot of the world, a lot of the Christianity in the world is Eastern Orthodox Christianity. So I just wanted to give a little, a little balance and, you know, just tell some different stories. The story of Hannah Moore, uh, to me, that's the one I knew I had to put in because I'm in love with that woman's story. Just amazing uh, story, colleague of Wilberforce. And so I, I think that she was probably the impetus to do the whole book just to get her story in there. How, to pick the seven, how how long was your list? Because when we were debating our top 10 albums of the year, I mean, literally, we have to put 45 honorable mentions. How did you pick seven? You know, I guess uh, it's Joy is out because she's wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was easy. She right? was lucky said, number that, 85. That's not right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then actually, no, in all seriousness, no one could be in the book who is living. And Joy, that oh. is not the only reason you are not in the book, but it's the <laughs> most significant one, and it's the one that I choose to mention on the air. Mm. But seriously, that actually, that that makes it a little bit easier, because yeah. you think, okay, I'm thinking of women from history, and then you sort of think, whose stories can I tell that are well-known? Uh, oh, no, I don't mean well-known. Whose stories can I tell? Like, people would say things like, well, how come you didn't put Mary, the mother of Jesus? Well, it's because you can't write a 9,000-word biography about her without uh, guessing at a lot of things. Right. Or, you know, we don't have that kind of factual history. So I was looking for figures from history whose stories I could tell. It's why I don't put the story of Ruth in or whatever. If these were much shorter, right. there are all kinds of stories that I could put in. But I said I need to put in the stories that I can you know, do the research on and know that what I'm saying is not speculative. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And then I guess... You know, the list really is endless. If somebody said tomorrow we'd like to do another seven men and another seven women, you know, I'd, I'd be able to do that right away. I, there's so many stories. So it, it, it does get hard. I mean, there's no way for me to, uh, to say anything except I hope the list isn't so subjective that it's off-putting. Hmm. Eric, I'm curious what uh, about what drives you to tell these stories, because you have so fully explored the life of uh, Wilberforce and Bonhoeffer and seven women and seven men. Well, I, I, I'm just struck by your um, your desire to continue to bring these stories to us and have us learn from all these people. What drives you as a as a biographer to bring these stories to light? Well, I, I think I say most of what I would say on this subject in my introduction to seven men, mm-hmm. it's this idea that we don't, we, we've, we've fallen into a place in the culture in the last 40 or so years, really since the 60s, where we're anti-heroic. We're looking for the worm right. in every apple. Every authority figure is suspect. You know, every, everybody who looks like uh, they have their lives, you know, all buttoned up. Oh, they're hiding something. Like, that's this general negative narrative. And it doesn't mean that there's no truth in it. But if it's the only narrative you put forward, you are lying, basically, because mm. there are great men and women in history. And I really feel that 
you know, history goes through cycles and we've been in this terrible cycle of this, you know, we, we know everything that's wrong with America. We know everything that's wrong with the church. We know everything that's wrong with every hero from George Washington. Well, that's not right because what you do is you denigrate things to the point of being unable to appreciate what's great about them. And at that point, you really are telling a lie. You don't want people to, uh, to deify uh, heroes, and you can go too far, and sometimes in history we've gone too far, but you can go too far in the other direction, and I argue, uh, I've argued many times, and I would now, that we've gone so far in the other direction that young men, men and women are genuinely confused about what, what am I supposed to be, who am I? We need, the way human beings are created is we need models, and whether it's our parents or uh, whether it's somebody I read about in a book to say, that's an interesting life, I want to do that, I want to try that. We need models and you know I'm walking to the bookstore where are the models I've got like Beyonce you know not wearing much like you know you can become me because I'm so awesome that's not a great model for any young woman that I would respect and I'm happy to say that there's like there there used to be many more biographies for young people especially and I think it's we've done a tremendous disservice uh, by not putting that stuff out there. And so I think this is a drop in the bucket, but I said, let me just tell these stories because I know that human beings are, were made to be inspired by other people's lives. Well, this is, uh, the, the book is Seven Women and it's out now. It's, it's a fascinating uh, biography. I think it's what, I think it's really great what you're doing. Like our generation is so focused on, you know, the, the little nuggets of everything that's happening. We kind of lost perspective of, you know, history and what we can glean from it. And like you said, like finding heroes and learning from their examples. Um, it's, it's awesome what you're doing. So we thank you for it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled you all appreciate it. And I really do think it's important. Like I think that lives are changed when we encounter other people's lives. God created us to, in a way, to take in information that way more than we do just from reading it like a bunch of rules or principles or something. When you see a life, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole, when you see that and how people deal with difficulty, that, I think, is how God communicates to us. And Jesus didn't come down from heaven, like, hand out some, some you know, mimeograph sheets and say, okay, I'll see you later. He lived among us because that's the way God wants us to communicate with each other, you know, person to person. And, and sometimes when you look at a life, it can commu- communicate far more to you than a book about principles. So that, that is something that, as I say, I've, I've tried to do it. I hope I will continue to do it. I'm writing a biography of Luther. I'm going to start that very soon. So it's, uh, And there's somebody who had some issues that were not so positive, but it's going to be interesting. It, you're looking at these people, and it like challenges you to live better. Just like when we look at Mr. Eric McTaxis, it challenges us to dress better. Dress better, sure. <laughs> to wear the costume of credibility. Yes. Oh, my. I can't live up to that. You can see me now. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Oh, totally my pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks. Bye, Eric. Thank Bye. you, Eric. Bye-bye.
listening to City Calm Down. The song is Sun. Seriously, City? <laughs> I mean, it's just a little too much. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, when Andy Squares came through, a uh, little sneak peek, a little tidbit, little behind the scenes. Ooh. Ready? So two songs here on the podcast. Sure. yeah. We got a third. Yeah, we did. It's a Christmas Christmas song. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> we have some big plans for some of these Christmas songs that we're acquiring and collecting and curating. And mm-hmm. you might hear more about that next week on the show. Yep. Christmas karaoke with Cameron Strang. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, uh, Andy's performances were phenomenal and we filmed them. And on Monday, so this podcast comes out on Friday night, uh, on Monday on Relevant TV and on the Relevant YouTube channel. And Facebook. The, and Facebook, right. Yeah. We're uploading on fa- our Facebook page now, yep. the Relevant Facebook page. Uh, the performances will be available to stream and trust me, tune in. Yeah. They're really, really good. See our new video team, Doug That's Jackson. <laughs> Dougie J. Yeah, it's here. actually one of the first things he's uh, he's done. Yeah, but, it's awesome. Uh, awesome. Uh, without any further ado, here is Andy Squires. So this song is called What Nobody Should Know. And um, I wrote this song in the aftermath of a pretty tragic happening. Um, my family and my church community went through really one of the hardest things that anybody could go through. And um, this song is just really my response to, to God and to life in that moment. of evening snow Raise a glass for me when the blackberries grow Few of us are wishing for what is not so Cause we found out what nobody should know Making love with my true companion Hope is the thing that we abandon Driving across a desert canyon Trying to get back home I went to the Lord with a bow and arrow Tried to shoot him down with a song of sorrow Love's not a thing that we can borrow It cost you blood and bone Carry my heart in a pocket of southern wind Take me someplace that I have never been All of this reaping what we did not sow 
Cause we found out what nobody should know We were in a church But we were shouting Mourning our loss But not our doubting Wondering why love is allowing All of us to hit the floor Down here is one of the strangest places Nothing but hearts and dirty faces Maybe this is where amazing grace is God knows we need some heart in a blanket of evening snow Raise a glass for me when the blackberries grow Few of us are wishing for what is not so We found out what nobody should know. That was Andy Squires. Make sure to check out his new album, Cherry Blossoms. It's out now. And on uh, Monday, check out these videos of these performances. Listening to True Affection uh, by Father John Misty. So good. Mm. So good. That album is amazing. But it has explicit lyrics on a couple tracks, so we can't endorse it. Amen. We can, yeah, we can say it's been listened to and someone probably likes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not us. Not all the songs. Not, a, not we, Right. We like that song a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting cat, by the way. We can get into that another time. But he's a, he's a, I'm glad he's involved in music right now because there needs to be more raconteurs like him yeah. making interesting music. That's a good word. Uh, it's time for feedback, but before feedback, we always do our apologies and corrections if they're necessary. Mm-hmm. So my apologies to Matt Mayhar and John Guerra <laughs> for my misspeak last week when I said John's name. So yeah. 
Uh, moving on. It's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we got talking about Joy's uh, crazy adventure of near death. Perilous. Uh, yes. Just a perilous just, journey. Just, it was the most gripping tale of, of, of <laughs> life. It, no, no, no. Just, I, I don't even know how she made it through. Uh, she went, just kept building and building and building to no pay off. <laughs> uh, Joy. It was like, it was like lost. Like, it, it's all going to make sense here at the end. All the questions you have leading up are all going to come together and you're like oh well they just kind of strung us along for (laughs) (laughs) it's like a five minute version of five years of law so so joy almost got murdered uh when she was checking out a couch uh from craigslist uh, last week and it it got us thinking we want to know for the question of the week your craziest craigslist encounters or maybe advice on how to ensure your safety if you were to have a craigslist encounter you guys hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few of our favorites. There are some great ones, some really long yeah. ones. These are long. Way too long. Yeah. <laughs> guys, we have jobs to do. We can't yeah. sit here and read your novels. And more than that, we have very short attention spans. <laughs> I do been to our website. Most of our most of our web content are slices, and they're max 120 words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. If you if your if your feedback to us is longer than an, a full feature that we publish on our website, uh, we're not going to read it. That's my favorite my favorite came from Peter. He said about two weeks ago. So this is recent. About two weeks ago, I listed a couch on Craigslist. A lady called to see it. First, she asked if I could bring it to a nearby coffee shop. That was uh, when I should have started to worry about this transaction. Yeah, a couch. No, yeah, she finally that. agreed to come to my place, and I live out in the country. Uh, she came to see it. When she finally showed up, she was nervous and fidgety and brought a smaller lady with her. My <laughs> uncle, who lives there, was with me the whole time uh, to see the two of them and, and wanted to see if they needed any help, like if they bought it, put it in their car or whatever. Like a normal human being. Yeah, yeah. yeah just like a normal guy. Um, and actually, he wanted to see how they would fit the couch into their hatchback because he was curious when he entered the garage the two girls got even more nervous and then the girl doing most of the talking started to reach into her pocket I thought she was going to attack us with a steak knife and I started to fear for mine and my uncle's life but she pulled out her phone and started taking our pictures and pretending she was talking to someone named Matt she then starts asking questions that we were that we had given the descriptions can I guess how this ends these two psychos just drive away as if they didn't ha- I didn't have a prearranged deal orchestrated. I can't express to you how creepy it was. There was like 10 cars. Oh, oh, I yeah. have <laughs> I have two from Drew that I'm going to read because they both are great. Okay. Uh, one, uh, Drew says that a few years ago, uh, he had this really nice backpack that he bought, and we've all done this. He bought sure. with every intention that he was going to go hiking and camping and do a lot of cool outdoor stuff. He right. only used it one time as luggage, and he decided he didn't need it, so he put it on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Which is what everyone does when they buy a backpack to go camping to really get serious. That's a good point. But when they take up an outdoorsy hobby, sure. and then a year goes by, and they never actually Pop do it. Pop over to REI, get a brand new backpack yeah yeah go out on black friday <laughs> yeah. and then sell it on craigslist it's, uh, sell it for a small percentage of what you originally paid <laughs> right. for you basically rented the backpack for one use for like two hundred dollars right, for full price right yeah uh, uh so anyway uh, after a couple of days someone contacted him and said uh, he was asking if it was still available they agreed on a public meeting place smart move <laughs> sure uh, when the buyer showed up out of the car emerged an old friend from college we were both like shut up He was buying the backpack to carry on a mission trip out of the country. Mm -hmm. I decided to just give him the backpack. We hung out for an hour or so and just talked about old times. 
Here's a twist. Drew ended up stabbing him with a steak knife and burned the guy's house down. <laughs> I, I'm assuming he got, I added that last part because I think he got cut off. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Obviously, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Drew, Drew had another one that I want to read real quick because it's fantastic. It's not Craigslist, but it's close enough. Okay. Uh, it was a, he was involved in <laughs> a community yard sale for a local school fundraiser. Early in the morning, a rather large man came to donate a pair of really nice $300 boots. Mm. Uh, he, uh, they, they, they were a little bit big for him, uh, but he said he had only worn them once and he was going to give them, you know, he's going to make a donation mm-hmm. so that, th- you know, he could give these $300 boots only worn once as like a, a generous thing to help for this cool race money. Sure. <laughs> Later that they placed them on the table and decided to, to put uh, the price tag of $75 on those boots, wow. which that's still a lot for, it is. even though they've only been used once, it's a, it's a, a yard sale, yeah. $75 is a lot of money. Yeah. Well, sure enough, later that day, a sweet old lady comes to buy the boots for $75, and and she's doing it for her husband. She said that her husband, it's so hard to find a size of boot that he will like, and it was such a great price. They found out later that the lady (laughs) was the woman's was the woman, was the uh, man's wife who donated the boots in the first (laughs) place. (laughs) Oh, no way. So now, oh man, that is so That's good. Great. So now they have paid three hundred and seventy-five dollars for the boots that he didn't even want, but they were only worn once. <laughs> they still, yeah. The great thing is they've only they still only been worn once. He basically rented that pair of boots for one outing, yeah, for yeah. three hundred and seventy-five dollars, right, and then bought them back from himself. That's amazing. Oh man. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. If you want to join in, uh, check out the episode page. It's time for this week's editor. Well, you know, okay, so we let a little bit of the cat out of the bag. We don't talk a lot about what we're working on because sometimes plans don't always work out. You know, sometimes you think you're going to launch some a new project. Right. You get into it, you realize it just doesn't quite, it's right. not sustainable or scalable yeah, just, the way you thought. I actually just was in the back closet room and I saw all the old signage for a uh, relevant uh, bounce house rental. We have a great dock. Why not? Yeah. No, and, uh, hey, Eddie, Eddie, because of the lawsuit, we can't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but it involves me and him. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of <laughs> like the guy with the backpack where we'll, we'll go get all the gear, we'll get, and then we're like halfway, we'll lose interest. You yeah, know, so sure. anyway, but so when you make it to the end every once in a while it's a really good thing yeah so so if it can make it all the way to the end well i think that we're going to be doing events and uh tv stuff you operate very differently i really like that about you but i've had i've learned that about you Hmm. like you will get pumped up about a thing and gather all the supplies and go in the backpack Mm -hmm. and we like you were on a walk and a lot of times I've seen it to the end and sometimes it's just like, nah, this isn't working yeah, out. Like it didn't feel right. Yeah. Whereas I will not say a thing yeah. until it's already done. Yeah. But that well, doesn't, learning, make, it, doesn't if, make it better. It fights my natural tendency because I do want to talk about it because I'm passionate about it and I'm in the middle of it. Right. But we've had launches where we put in the magazine like this thing is launching November 1st and whatever and we were working on it till, well until February. I mean, so we've, we've, we've learned to not say stuff until it's yeah. done, right? Yeah. So yeah. I w- wasn't planning on uh, talking about events or, or video, but we did. Yeah. And so now we've got to fill a channel. We gotta, so we, gotta we have Eddie's Eddie's ideas. We got a lot of hours, and we want your help. We'll crowdsource this thing. We want your help filling the um, what would an ideal relevant uh, TV network uh, shows be? And I think jokes welcome. Obviously, there'll be a bunch of funny things. But I think also this is actually probably one of those questions that if there really was a good idea, this would probably be the time to hear it. Right? Oh, yeah, I wasn't going for that. I was going for the jokes. But, but uh, I mean, what if, there was some, <laughs> yeah, you're right. what if somebody brought up something awesome and it was just like, yes, right. Cameron goes to space. <laughs> I mean, our, our listeners, our listeners are, are 
I mean, they've succeeded in this in the past. I mean, the 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 whole Nickelback challenge was yes. because of an editorial question of the week. Right. And not, I'm not saying that because of me. I'm just saying that was a great idea that none of us would have thought of. All right. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going for Cameron. jokes, but I think I was going to say, what shows do you want Eddie to do on the network? But, but let's, I mean, but I think basically we're going jokes, but, uh, but also don't be afraid if you got a great Truly, idea. I mean, I think I said last week or a couple weeks ago, my dream is to be a, a game show host. So mm-hmm. let's, let's great. brainstorm there. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, uh, Jesse, I think Jesse the, should the, do a hot, hot beat political show. The hot, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's and, about, and it's about art, art it's criticism. About artwork. Yeah. yeah. Hit us up Whatever. on, uh, <laughs> tell us your relevant, uh, TV show ideas, uh, at the podcast episode page at relevant and we will make every one of them and uh <laughs> <laughs> we have 24 hours cameron, cameron is promising to make every everything single one. You bring uh, or you can hit us up on twitter at relevant podcasts and we will read our favorites next week and bonus points if you can incorporate bounce houses because we need to use those up yeah we've got 12 dozen of them back there <laughs> they're all in perfect condition many thanks to our show sponsor squarespace uh, start your free trial site today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. And then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks also to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Metaxas, for joining mm, us on yes. the show today. His new book is Seven Women, and it's out now. You can find out more at ericmetaxas.com and maybe even Style Tips. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a hot fashion blog. <laughs> so, Metaxas. <laughs> If you hit up, up, down, down, left, right, it reveals itself. That's all. <laughs> yeah. How, the, yeah. Uh, also, uh, thanks to Andy Squires for coming through the studio. Winter his, Ascot season is upon us. <laughs> sorry. It was his, just 10 seconds too late. His, <laughs> I'm sorry. His <laughs> album, Cherry Blossoms, is out now, and you can find out more at andysquires.com. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Those performances by Andy will be up at youtube.com slash relevant. They'll also be playing at relevant.tv. You can uh, check out all the performances. You can see the, uh, the live show from back a couple months ago that's up on our YouTube channel and I guess watch it because there's going to be a lot more video content coming up now because our video team of one man is now on staff yeah so old George or what's his name George George Jackson George is right Doug (laughs) (laughs) and get the magazine Um, the new issue is out now uh, with powerful cover story and a lot of great content Uh, you can get it for just a buck a month and you get the digital edition and all the web access as well Uh, you can sign up today at relevantmagazine.com on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Kaufholtz. I'm Jeremiah Dunlap. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Joy Egerich. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe.
then they asked for your name and you said it's Merry Christmas. You heard me. Write it on the cup. <laughs>